Before every episode this season, we are providing specific calls to action to encourage our listeners to fight against systemic racism and police brutality. This week, we want to address the struggle of Indigenous peoples in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. On the whole, the most disadvantaged groups in the United States have been disproportionately affected by the pandemic. Indigenous communities have the highest rates of COVID-19 cases in the country. The U.S. government has a long history of failing to comply with treaty obligations in which they agreed to provide adequate funding for basic services in exchange for vast amounts of tribal land. This has largely contributed to chronic structural and economic inequalities for Indigenous people, such as overcrowded housing, understaffed hospitals, lack of running water, and limited internet access. As of the end of June, the Navajo Nation and White Mountain Apache have the highest rates of COVID-19 infections per capita, surpassing even the state of New York at its peak infection rate. We've provided links in the show notes of this episode for different organizations providing direct relief and mutual aid to these people most affected. This includes a vast info drop by frontline medics, information on indigenous mutual aid, and the Indigenous Pride LA homepage, which features two alphabetical fundraising and donation lists of COVID-19 aid for Indigenous peoples. So my mom stopped at the gas station earlier to get lottery tickets, and she comes back in the car with this bag of fudge brownie M&M's. And she goes, whoa. I was going to say, what are you snacking on? (laughs) Fudge brownie (laughs) M&M's. She said, I just saw these at the counter. I thought, you know, I just picked them up. You could talk about it when you record the podcast. (laughs) And I said, no. (laughs) But um, now I feel like we have to talk about them. You lied because that is what we're doing right now. Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Lauren. We play together in the band Coping Skills, but now we also do this podcast, which means you really get two projects for the price of one. Yeah, you really cannot beat a a twofer deal, you know? It it feels like almost uh, too good a deal, but... Yeah, and this is really, this is really a BOGO situation because, or it's really like a, it's a get one, get one. It's like there is no buying one. It's like you're not really buying anything. You don't have to buy one to get the other. They're both just kind of free at this point. They just like exist and they, you know, if you want them, you can, you can take them. But if not, you know, that's fine too. This is more talk, less rock. What's up? I'm Rachel. I'm 27 and I never fucking learned how to skate. <laughs> I like don't know what I was expecting you to say, but it wasn't that. <laughs> <laughs> like skateboard skate, not like like roller skate skate, you know. Oh, I also can't really roller skate, <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, I guess I just never fucking learned how to skate. <laughs> Bikes are old-fashioned. Every kid wants to learn how to skateboard. I never fucking learned how to ride a bike either, but that's a different conversation. <laughs> that could be a whole, that could be another episode. 
Yeah, maybe one day when I try to learn how to how to bike. But this is um, our new bit. It's just um learning hobbies and self-improvement, you know? Oh, That's I, the thought, new I, thought, bit. I thought the new bit was shit Rachel never learned how to do. <laughs> Well, maybe um, one time we'll come up with a thing that I don't know how to do and believe that there are many of those things. Um, <laughs> and we can just have it have a, a, a good old self-improving time. Um, my, my quarantine growth journey. All right. So you're uh, all right. So you're Rachel. You're you're 27. You never fucking learned how to skate. Um, but I want to be a uh, mid-20s skateboarder, you know, like the Pew 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 song. The what? Pew Pew Pew. I think that's how you say it. P-K-E-W? P-K-E-W? Yeah, okay. I I have heard of that band, but they have a song called not- mid Twenty Skateboarder. That's me. <laughs> is it is it about specifically someone in their mid-20s learning how to skate? Yeah. It goes, mid-twenty oh. skateboarder. Mid-twenty skateboarder. <laughs> I hope I don't get hurt. <laughs> mid-twenty skateboarder. <laughs> yeah, it's great. Inspirational, really. Wow. Okay. So that's your theme song. Um, have you been listening to that on repeat while you've been <laughs> learning how to skate? I actually haven't listened to it while while learning how to skate, but that's a good idea. Uh. Okay. Well, you know, I did. You said you were. Um. You know, you, you never fucking learned how to skate. So I'm. I'm making the assumption that you are going to tell me that you have been learning how to skate. Is that correct? Well, you know what they say about assuming. Well, we're already a bunch of asses, so. <laughs> well, what I say about assuming is don't. But uh, <laughs> but you are correct. You have assumed correctly. <laughs> is that I am, um, I am now on a journey where I have decided that at the ripe young age of 27, I want to learn how to skateboard once and for all. Is this something that you have attempted previously? Or are you kind of just like, you know what? Uh, out of nowhere, I'm just going to skate. Yes and and no and both. Both are true. Um, okay. I, <laughs> I, well, I guess not out of nowhere. So when I was uh, in middle school or high school, the the small town that I grew up in had a skate shop very briefly. Um, I don't know how that even happened, but somebody started a small business that was a skateboard shop. So me and my brother got skateboards. I had this great chocolate board that I can still see in my brain and have tried to find on the internet in the past couple months just for proof that it existed and can't but it had wait chocolate, chocolate is a skateboard is, brand okay <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like was that the color of it like I don't know it was light blue and it had a mixtape on it and the like the tape in the cassette was unwound so that the tape in cursive spelled out the word chocolate you know and I'm really trying mm. to find a picture evidence that this board existed but so far I've come up empty but yeah, I was gonna say like if you have a picture of you writing it or even just like is just like searching on the internet for like chocolate historic chocolate boards and see if you can find it I spent quite some time in May trying to find that board yeah. and I can't but it's it's like burned in my brain and so yeah my brother you could do an artist rendering of it I know <laughs> My brother and I would go to the church right by our house and skate in the parking lot with our friend Joe who lived up the street. And uh, I never got good, you know. I think I maybe landed one ollie ever. And uh, that was the extent of it. Um, The skate shop closed down. My mom and I were recently talking about it. And she said that the mayor put in a bunch of like rules that, really like prohibited skateboarding in town. So um, mm. 
it's kind of like doomed to fail that that business, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, that sucks. And at some point I stopped skateboarding and I don't know, I've like, it's always been something that's I, I found kind of fascinating and thought was cool and wish I could do. And mm-hmm. so, um, but never really like explored further. As we know, I hate being bad at things and <laughs> really struggle with that. Um, and then yeah, also, which is, it kind of sucks because like being bad at something is, is you, you can't be good at something without being bad at it. Uh, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. and so between that and like moving around a lot and being on tour all the time it's just not not something that I explored um yeah but a couple months ago yeah I guess almost a couple months ago at this point um our friend Caleb um told me that they were buying a skateboard for their partner who is also our friend Jack and Jack wanted to learn how to skate so that they could learn how to cruise um, because Jack's a videographer for anybody who's listening who doesn't know our personal close friends. Um, (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wow, this is really exciting. If I learn to skate right now, I'll have a friend who is also learning and like doesn't know what they're doing. And that makes it such a more comfortable experience when you're just like not the only person who, who is still really new to something. And so I decided, you know what? I'm going to be home for months at a time. I have a buddy. Now is a perfect time to learn how to skate. So so I bought one. (laughs) Nice. Well, so you you kicked off the episode by proudly proclaiming that you do not know how to skate. But you said that at at one point you, you did an ollie, which to me signals knowing somewhat how to skate. So if you, like, like what is your definition of, like, knowing how to skate? Like, where do you think you want to get to? I want to be comfortable. Like, I feel, I feel like that one ollie that I landed was either a fluke or this point, <laughs> <laughs> like, like, total confabulation. You know how when you've been telling stories about yourself for so long that you start to wonder if they were real? Yes. <laughs> As we're talking about this, I'm like, did I ever actually land an ollie? <laughs> but, yeah. But well, I feel like, like I did. <laughs> what What was that band that had this song called Scars about the scars reminding them that the past <laughs> is real? Yeah, Papa Roach. What was that so, band? So, so Papa Roach had a point, right? Where like, there are like things that I have like remembered happening to me, but have not really like, but but feel so fuzzy in a way that I'm like, did I just dream this? Did I make it up or did it actually happen? And like some of those things, like I do have actual scars from and I'm like, oh, well, like that must have actually happened. Do you have any skateboard scars that will remind you that the past is real? Honestly, I am like so stuck right now on you talking about Papa Roach. Okay, <laughs> they had a point. Okay, I'm just pointing out. Listen, that they had a point. Slap that the last that resort. The stars slaps. Slaps. Like, yeah. like I, I have seen Papa Roach one time because I worked a show that they uh, played with Marilyn Manson, and I had a good time. <laughs> I'm just gonna say I had a good time. Okay. 
But I don't have any All right, skateboarding. So you can't give me shit for bringing up Papa Roach. I didn't give you shit. I just say I'm stuck. Like, I'm just stuck. Okay. Like, <laughs> okay. Uh, well, I don't have any skateboard scars. No. But I also like, you know, uh, I, I am not a big risk taker when it comes to stunts with my body. Like, I'm just sure. afraid of getting hurt. I am afraid of getting injured. And um, which I feel like in skateboarding, especially, can be a hindrance to getting better at skateboarding. Because at a certain point, you kind of just have to like throw caution to the wind and like put your whole body into it and just accept the fact that you're probably going to fall a lot before you don't fall. And then we'll probably keep falling again after that. A thousand percent. When I, um, I reached out to my friend Sean, who's been skateboarding for a long time, and asked for some advice when I decided I wanted to do this. And one of the things that he said to me was like, falling is inevitable. You are going to fall. You just have to learn how to fall and just like roll through it rather than slamming and trying to stop it because you'll do more damage to your body that way. Um, mm, that's that's a uh, quite a metaphor. For I was life, just going to you know? say. <laughs> <laughs> it's a metaphor. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think... What I am quickly learning and what I've been hoping is that I can take this experience of learning how to skate and tie it into other aspects of my life. Like quite like that metaphor. Um, Our friends Jack and Caleb also uh, very, very graciously granted me access to um, their masterclass. They sent me like the uh, downloadable document of of Tony Hawk's masterclass on skateboarding and then gave me the login to their account. I've just recently seen advertisements for Tony Hawk's masterclass on skateboarding. Oh, yeah. And I, like, kind of want to watch it only because, like, I know next to nothing about skateboarding, but I think Tony Hawk is very funny on the internet and he just seems like kind of a wholesome dude. Yeah. Um, so I kind of just wanted to watch it. Um but yeah, that's very cool. Has um, Have you watched any of it yet? So I've watched the first like four videos trying to get some of the basics down. But um, and like the first four videos go into kind of like an overview and his history and um, just like learning how to ride and learning how to stop and doing this thing called tic-tacking where you're kind of doing a, like small kick turns back and forth, which is supposed to help you to be another way to like start and move forward. Um, haven't quite, I like get the motion, but I haven't quite been able to get that to put me into motion. Um, but part of that is also like not really having good, flat, smooth land to, um, to ride on. One of the other, um, aspects to learning right now that has been different than I expected it to look like is that when I bought the board and was planning on learning with, with our friend Jack, I then wound up uh, moving back into my parents' home for a little while to help um, take care of my family. So I am now miles from from my home and my community yeah. trying to learn this thing almost by myself. Um, but yeah. I was brave. I will have to continue <laughs> to be brave. And, um, you know, maybe two weeks ago, I put an ad up on Lex to find um like other queer people in the area who are learning how to skate and see if or already know how to skate and see if I can skate with them and I made one friend 
And we uh, now have a weekly, like, planned time to skate together. And she also used to skate um, when she was younger and then got out of it for a while and is is relearning again. So we're in, like, a similar, similar like, uh, yeah. place with it. And, um, and so that was really cool. We went to, like, a parking lot last week and yeah, that's uh, awesome. skated together for a while. Hell yeah. Yeah, I can see how like it it like if you were to skate with someone who was way better than you, how that could maybe be be good as like a person to learn from, but would also be intimidating and and maybe make it harder to learn and and fall and uh I feel like starting with someone who is at that same level seems like it would make it way easier. Yeah, you can commiserate and sympathize with where each other are at. Uh yeah, not feel as embarrassed. Um, I went to, <laughs> there's a big indoor skate park up here and they do beginners time slots on Saturdays from like 10 to 12. So I went yesterday for the first time. Ooh. Um, yeah, I want to hear all about that. Well, I took a little, a, a little voice memo while I was there mid amidst okay. the experience that I would like to share with you. Okay, yeah. Okay, so I've been here for like 20 minutes. I've eaten shit twice. And there are a bunch of like middle school age boys on scooters, which I truly did not anticipate. Um, and then this little, uh, this little boy on a, it's like a little shredder on a skateboarder. <laughs> and also this little skateboarder who's a shredder. Um, or at least like a risk taker. I stopped taking risks after the second fall. And um, it's hard to convince myself that I have just just as much a right to be here on beginner session hours as everybody else. So that was my experience at the skate park yesterday. Yeah. I, I, I was not ready to be there yet is what I learned um, very okay. quickly. Which is fine like I'm glad I I went but I was like so I tried to not even really drop in twice but there's because like when you drop in you're you're coming down what's like you know a quarter pipe or a half pipe but then there are you know smaller inclines like like ramps basically that are uh, a lot less steep and I tried to go down two of those and I fell both times and I was like you know what we don't know how to do this yet yeah. So I spent most of the time just enjoying this, like the mostly smooth pavement and trying to learn how to stop and um, practicing like that tick tacking. Well, I, I think going there was a was a really good thing to do. Um, and also very impressive to like try kind of throwing yourself in there in front of a bunch of other people who who may also be beginners, but like, you know, be, I feel like beginner can mean different things to different people, you know? Yeah. It's hard not to feel judged by a bunch of, like, 12-year-old boys. <laughs> yeah, the scooter thing really threw me. Yeah, like, <laughs> me too. Like, like Razor scooters? Yeah, like, like Razor scooters. And then, and then after that, there were some guys of indeterminate age, but probably around our age, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older, I don't know, on bikes who seemed to know what they were doing. And then also like definitely a high schooler with them on bikes. So I just, 
I just really couldn't tell what all was going on. Um, except that also I was the only not a dude there. <laughs> yeah, which like is is it sort of intimidating in and of itself in like any context, but then also being in a situation where you are surrounded by a bunch of dudes and also doing a thing that you are bad at, like mm-hmm. as a whole other level of uh, intimidation. So uh, you, where do you think you need to be in order to feel comfortable going back there, even just for the beginner skate? That's a good question. Um, I don't think I'll go back for at least a couple of weeks. I want to get more comfortable just like being on the board. You know, I feel like it should feel like an extension of my body and not just an accessory to. And even now when I'm like pushing to get on it, I can feel my foot not always landing back in the right place and things like that. And um, and so I just need to get more comfortable being on it in general. But, um, and I also just need to get more prepared to take risks. Like, yes, I, I have been brave for myself twice this week um especially as a person with anxiety (laughs) but uh we have more steps to take but I think it's important you know when I was watching those masterclass videos I remember having like a small maybe not small but an important revelation for myself where I was like I don't even remember what Tony was saying but Mr. Hawk really (laughs) got me thinking about how um how I can apply learning how to skate and like the, you have to constantly fail to get better and you have to commit yourself a lot to get better to other aspects of my life. Like I haven't been making music as much because I'm so afraid of being bad at it or not liking what I'm making that I don't even put in the time to make something bad to then make something good. And um, I think that, that having to channel that kind of energy in order to to even be okay at skateboarding. Like, I'm not trying to to go out and, and compete in the X Games, you know? I just, like, <laughs> just want to do a kickflip. Like, Yay! <laughs> like, the bar is not very high. No. But, but I want to ollie over it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and I think, like, having to fall, having to try to go down those ramps and keep falling uh, accepting that the bruise that I have on my ass right now is gonna keep happening <laughs> but that's how I'm gonna be able to get better will be able to translate into other aspects of my life where I like I want to learn how to do new things all the time and I want to get better at different things that I'm already doing all the time but I am I don't know I, I have something in me prevents me from putting in the time to do it no matter how large that desire feels and how like urgent that desire feels and so I've been doing a lot of work to try to investigate that and like solve it as if it's a solvable problem and maybe it is maybe it isn't but I think skateboarding could be a key into I don't know rewiring some neurons in my brain maybe (laughs) like like something that will allow me to keep trying when it is hard and keep putting in the work when I and getting up when I fall and like and and just like really doing the thing yeah well I think like um 
like anxiety probably definitely has something to do with it. Um, But also like, I think it's also important to understand that like falling is painful and our, our bodies have like an, like a physical reaction to pain and like wanting to avoid it. So you're like constantly trying to like fight against your own brain who's being like, oh, we tried that thing and it and it hurt and like we shouldn't do that again because that was painful. And you have to just keep trying to like get over that like, no, the pain is the point and we need to keep feeling that pain until we don't anymore. And that is... a a very difficult thing to overcome. I think in like any context, um, I'm trying to think of like, there's a, cause I think like skateboarding, it is a little bit more straightforward of like you fall and that hurts and like, you don't want to fall. But like, uh, I feel like in a lot of other things, like in playing music, that pain of failing is a little bit more abstract. Um, well, it's a than, mental game. Like I think yeah. there's, something to be said that you know falling isn't failing there's a whole letter difference um (laughs) like just because you fall does not mean that you have failed at what you are trying to do it means you have a lesson to learn to do better the next time and so like you're right like feeling like you are failing or falling at music doesn't necessarily I mean it doesn't hit the same way you know, unless you're dropping your instrument on your foot or something. Um, <laughs> but it become it it's almost easier to anticipate sometimes, right? Like you are you are inventing scenarios that could happen for you to fail at what you're doing before you have even tried to do them. And it because it is so much more abstract, there's so many more different things that feel like they could go wrong. Whereas like with skateboarding, it's like, well, I'm either gonna fall or I'm not. Yeah. You know, yeah, I'm exactly. either gonna land this or I'm not. Yeah. And, uh, you know, with playing music, it's a lot more of like, uh, you know, maybe what I do won't be good enough. Maybe no one will like what I do. Maybe people will laugh at my music and say it's stupid. Maybe, you know, I will never make the kind of music that I feel like I want to make. Um, and, you know, everything that I do doesn't feel like it lives up to that expectation that I have. And those are all like kind of different forms of failure. But yeah, you know, like you said, you do kind of just have to do it. Um, Are you wearing like, uh, do you have some knee pads or elbow pads or something like that? Oh yeah, I got the whole nine. To cushion your fall. I got got knee pads, elbow pads, wrist guards, and a helmet. Helmet's the most important thing. Um, I haven't really been wearing the elbow pads and wrist guards as much, which is probably part of the reason I wasn't really taking as much of a risk at the skate park. Um, Because again, it's like, and then I didn't want to like, you know, the anxiety of being like, well, I already walked out here with just these on. If then I go and put these other things on, like somebody's going to look at me funny as if anybody has really paid attention to the amount of padding that I'm wearing. Right. Um, And you know what too, like, (laughs) if you watch Tony Hawk skate, even today, he's always wearing a fucking helmet and knee pads Mm -hmm. and elbow pads and shit. And he's like arguably one of the best skaters of all time. And yeah. like he's and like you still, you know, it's not even about like feeling like you're beyond that. It's, you know, that safety net and that preparation 
is I feel like, you, you know, feeling like you are prepared for when you fall is the best way to get beyond falling. Totally. Yeah, Tony definitely advocates to always wear a helmet. Um, he talks about like padding and stuff in the masterclass videos. And uh, yeah, the thing that you said about feeling like you're prepared to fall makes it easier to to do it, I think is an important uh, notion to internalize. Yeah, and that like even goes along with what your friend said of like, it's, you know, I think falling maybe becomes less scary when you learn how to do it correctly. And like the fact that there is a correct way to fall is kind of like, it feels like a contradiction a little bit. Yeah, well, it's it's not about whether or not you will fall. It's about how you fall. Yeah, and like getting through that acceptance of like, this will happen. So I either need to accept it and move beyond it and not let it stop me or be paralyzed by that fear, which like is never not going to be there. So you might as well not let it stop you. And this is where I put it. Sponsored ad. If I had one. Sorry, lost the happy, but the happy's back. Do you feel like you have, like how long have you been skating now in like the present day? And do you feel like you are any better than maybe you were when you started, when you, when you picked up, picked it up again? Um, it's been like less than a month. There were some problems with the board that I had ordered. They, the company shipped me the wrong one. And then, uh, I didn't want to ship it back. Well, I had to ship it back, but I didn't want them. I didn't want to wait for them to ship me something else that wasn't even the one that I originally ordered because they ran out of it. And the one they sent me was the wrong size. So I wound up having to order. <laughs> I did a, a Zoomies pickup for my yeah. skateboard. Because <laughs> uh, that was the quickest way I could get one at the time where I am right now. Wow. <laughs> really going back. Um, yeah. And uh, then the screws that I ordered originally were the wrong size. So I had to order new screws. And um, I wanted to put the board together myself so I could really understand what all I was working with which I think was really important. Um, and so it's in less than a month. And I, because of everything that's going on up here and and my own personal anxieties to overcome about just like getting out and doing it, I haven't really been skating consistently for more than a week. Um, but I think now having a person to be accountable to um, and like grow with, is going to be really helpful going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's what uh, that's kind of what I was going to ask is that like you you had mentioned this person that you've been meeting up with to skate um and like reaching out to your other friend who is a skate who uh is a skater um for advice and do you feel like uh like picking up this uh this hobby has helped you kind of reach out to other people or make friends in this place where you are now where you don't where none of your current friends physically are um or where you don't really know a lot of people your own age um I think it will one of the it's it's more done that on an intellectual theoretical level than a, a physical level so far um but it's kind of <sighs> opening me up to, to reconsidering how I look at and define 
community for myself. You remember, this is something that I've been thinking about a lot. (laughs) So two years ago, when we were putting out uh, our last record, and maybe even like, I guess more than two years ago, I would say, I would like half joke that um, the music industry was a game and I wanted to win. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. In the past couple of years, the thing that I'm more so feeling is it's a game and do I even want to play? Like, I, because it is a fucking game, you know? It Sure, yeah. For so many different reasons. But the way that um, I feel like a lot of connections that are made are just really um, thin and based on this one thing and like theoretical probabilities and um, you know what relationships you hold in case some band gets big or relationships you hold because you need them to book you next time and this that and the other and that you know There are a bunch of people that I've met through playing music that I do feel like genuinely close to on an outside, a level outside of that. But then there's other people that you don't even know what else to talk to about if not for this one thing. It feels very like uh, surface level in a lot of ways. And, um, And I'm thinking about, especially like while we've been locked away for so long, like who am I really, who have I really been communicating with? Who have I really been talking to? And what are we even talking about? If if we don't have the next tour and house shows or whatever, like are these people who are even important in my life or other people's lives? And then the whole like social media aspect of like watching how other people interact with each other and wondering how much of it is coming from a deep seated, genuine place and how much of it is coming from this uh, illusion that needs to be held up to keep the community um yeah yeah you know and yeah being involved in that for a long time has continued to feel kind of gross to me I don't know I've just been thinking a lot about what my community actually is and like who I want it to be and what I want it to look like and and I do feel like learning how to skate is is being tied up in that because I just want to like have something to do that's hanging out with people and learning how to do something fun which is what music should be that isn't all about like well how many people are going to come to my show you know or like who is my friend but isn't showing up for me in this way and like supporting my band and paying money and like all this other shit it, it just doesn't become fun anymore yeah, like skating does not have to rely on other people to make it feel like it's worthwhile. Like, I feel like a lot of times playing music, you know, you should be doing it because you want to or for yourself, but it does feel like a lot of the time, like it only feels worthwhile to do if other people are being actively involved in it or in what you are doing. Yeah, um, you have to spend too much time worrying about how many other people care about what you're doing. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I think I think skating is kind of an interesting thing of like, it is a way to form a community of other people who are doing the same things that you are, but it does not rely on those people like 
supporting you monetarily or like, you know, coming out to your shows or, or feeling like that community is contingent on some sort of monetary action or, um, or actually like physically showing up. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I just feels too much like capitalism sometimes. <laughs> I mean, you know, everything is at the end of the day, but that does feel specifically like it feels very transactional. Um, yeah, that's more the word that, that I'm looking for. Like, yeah, 100% that. DIY at a certain level, or, you know, I just... Yeah, it's like, you. I come to your show, you come to my show, you know, I book your band, you book my band, like... And there is, a, you know, a sort of community in that that I think is is worthwhile to a certain extent. But if that is the only... Like, if you're just playing music because of that and not just because you would be doing it otherwise, then, like, that sucks. But also, at the same time, it's, like, if you don't participate in that, then, like, you you can't make playing music your job. And, yeah, it starts and to that feel also sucks. more like, like, like a transactional exchange than it does, like, mutual aid, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, like, it's not... It feels obligatory more than voluntary sometimes. And like maybe that just kind of has to do more with like feeling like playing music is a job. Like I don't think that you ever want skateboarding to be your job, you know? Oh, nobody would pay me to skateboard. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think like, you know, not having that expectation, you know, makes it a lot easier to do things for the sake of doing it. and building that community with other people who are doing it for the sake of doing it and not because they feel like they need to get something out of it or something out of you in exchange for, you know, doing something for you or you doing something for them. Yeah. Um, And maybe, maybe I'm, I am just jaded and cynical about DIY now and it's not really like that. And this is just scenarios that I've invented and a story that I've created in my head about what it's like. But I mean, I think that's true to a certain extent, but I, I, you know, I think you are right also like, well, what's your experience been like? Yeah. I mean, it does feel, I also, I had been thinking about like, uh, like we've been throwing shows in the house to like right up until everything had to kind of shut down for COVID. Um, and even with that, it it kind of felt like a little bit more of an obligation than anything else. Um, and that is not really the way you want to feel. Um, or feel like my personal experience with playing music has felt like more of an obligation than something that I actively want to participate in to the extent that I feel like a lot of other people who play music want to be participating in it. And, and I agree with you too, that like, I, you know, have a bunch of fucking, you know, Facebook friends of like people that I don't actually really know, or just like hitting me up because they need a show or they need a space or like they need something. And it's like, I, you know, it it becomes kind of a drag after a while. And like, I, like, you want to help people, but 
you know, I don't know. You only have so I think many I, extra resources to give. Yeah. And yeah, I think it, it, you know, maybe we have just reached a point where just like jaded with DIY. And I think like, you know, finding other things, even like, you know, while we've kind of been in quarantine and haven't, you know, music is not really a thing that exists even right now. Um, and I think it has given me some time to think about like what, what about playing music is important to me and what about playing music isn't important to me. Um, like having a good time fucking around with my friends is important to me. Um, like making sure like, and make a certain amount of money or play shows to a certain amount of people or like, you know, is not important to me. Like, I feel like I've, I've had more fun, like fucking around and playing music now or like even just by myself, like, you know, kind of, revisiting maybe some ideas that I have or like feeling like there is not the pressure right now to like constantly be playing shows, constantly be putting out new stuff, constantly be doing all these things where like you can just kind of take a breather and and do things for the sake of doing them. And I've found a lot more joy in that without that pressure being there, um, which I think speaks to what is missing a lot of the time in, you know, DIY under quote-unquote normal circumstances um yeah I was gonna say like I've had more fun making songs for this podcast in the last six months than I than I had in like the year and a half playing music before that yeah because it feels like we're just doing it because we want to or we're like doing it because you know throwing this like arbitrary challenge at ourselves just to see that we can do it and for no other gain than that yeah it's about and experimentation again it's about like just uh fucking around and figuring something out and seeing what we can do yeah and that is kind of just like what learning a skateboard is it's just like yeah just riding for riding <laughs> way for the to sake bring of it riding. back <laughs> yeah it was just like you know riding for the sake of riding and like learning this new thing for the sake of knowing how to do it and not for any gain beyond that like 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 normalize having hobbies you know like <laughs> not everything like, needs to be a gig like <laughs> yeah and like I feel like playing music and is as a hobby is like so much more enjoyable than like trying to make it your job and like I feel like that you know everything comes down to just fucking capitalism being the worst but like that is really what it comes down to is like you if you love playing music, like you cannot really just do it as a hobby. Like if you don't want to do anything else, you have to make money doing it. And like that just sucks all the life out of it. Yeah, it can. Like, like if it, if it's one, it's one thing if it happens for you, but it's another thing when you're constantly trying to game the system to make it work. But if you can't be satisfied doing something like that without, uh, surviving on it then I don't know I feel like you're you're kind of fucked in the long run yeah and like it it you know it does too like if you have to have another job it does like that tires you out and it does make playing music just as a hobby that much harder but that is just kind of the reality of the world right now and I think having more acceptance of like I want to do this because I want to do it. And then whatever happens after that happens, 
I feel like that is a better mindset than like, I need to game the system in order to make this, you know, financially stable or, or, or make this thing support me so that I can do this a hundred percent of the time. Um, and I think that works for some people and there are a lot of people who, where music is their whole job and is their whole life. And like, that's great for those people, but I think you can't really go into it with that mindset and there needs to be more acceptance of like, this is a thing that I love to do and I'm just going to do it because I want to do it. And whatever else I have to do to support me doing this thing, like I'll do it because that's the reality of what I have to do. But like, you know, having more acceptance for, uh, you know, I want to keep doing this no matter what, even if, you know, no one likes what I put out, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, it's the mindset of like, I'm going to make something that I'm really proud of and really happy with. And like, that really feels like an honest expression of what I want to make versus I need to make the next hit record. And I don't want to try to make things that other people like anymore. <laughs> like, yeah. to, not that yeah. we were ever like explicitly trying to do yeah. that. But I was going to say, wanna... I would make the argument that we have like, that that is not something that we have ever really but done there, intentionally. No, but there's a, there's, there becomes a part where you stop like having as much uh, like playful energy with it and, and start thinking about how something is going to be perceived in the creation process. And that like for me becomes kind of detrimental to progress. Like as we've been yeah, making these, these new band name songs, I'll stop myself and be like, okay, but do I like what's happening here? Like whether or not this is the right thing to be doing, do yeah. I and, like and this Am I move? having fun doing it? Like, yeah. am I enjoying myself making it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, I think those have been very good exercises for us. And I think you trying to learn how to skateboard for the sake of doing it because it's fun and because you want to better yourself in that way, in, in a way that like does not have anything to do with like your living or making money or, or trying to like, you know, quote unquote, game the system or whatever uh, is great. And I think everyone needs more things like that. Yeah. I just want to get a crew of fun people together in a situation where everybody is like learning and growing through what we're doing all the time, having a good time together. And nobody's success is somebody else's failure. It's like everyone's success is everyone else's success. And every time somebody else falls, it's like you get up and and like encourage each other and get back on the board and try again. And that's how I want skating to be. And that's how I want playing music to keep being going forward. And 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 that's that's really that's it. So during last week's episode for Tag Yourself, I mentioned a twosome that I thought would be kind of the inverse of our normal, where where you, Lauren, are the quote-unquote protagonist, and I am the best friend. But we bleeped it out so the listeners wouldn't get to know who we were talking about. You recall this? I do recall, yes. Um, is it time for the great reveal? Yeah, I don't think we should keep them waiting, you know? Uh, I know that everybody who listens to the show is is very dedicated and um, 
is just been sitting on the edge of their seat for the last week because obviously they listen the day the show goes up, you know? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. we just don't, <laughs> we can't do it to them. Mm-mm. So this week for Tag Yourself, we are going to talk about Daria and Jane from the hit cartoon TV show, Daria, which is one of my favorites, as you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. I truthfully um, kind of kind of missed it a little bit growing up. Like I was aware of it. What was it even? Where would you watch it? Like what channel was it on? Like what I network? I feel like it network. was on MTV. Okay. Oh, it was originally on MTV. That's right. Uh, ran from 97 to 2002. So this actually like I was also like not. I feel like we were both a little bit young to True. be super into this as it was airing. But this is a thing that I definitely revisited later in life. I have since watched the whole thing, um, but I did not really do that at the time. What is your your experience with Daria or your exposure to Daria? I think in the past couple of years, I went to start watching it. And um, I I don't know if when I was watching it, I was just distracted by other things or if I wasn't like, I didn't get fully on board right away, but I, mm-hmm. I've only seen like a handful of episodes. Yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, in my life, well, I feel like this may be getting into like talking about the actual tag yourself. Okay. The who's who, if you will. Well, let's do it. Um, Cause I feel like to your point last week, I feel like we definitely kind of err on the side of like in in whatever twosome we have, like if there is like a lead and a supporting character, usually it seems like you are the lead and I am the supporting in only that like that is kind of the way our personalities tend to manifest themselves. Right. Um, Daria, I think in particular is interesting because like I personally have often been called kind of a downer. Um, no. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I feel like that is kind of thing that has like followed me through the years. And like when I actually like got around to watching all of Daria, um, I was like, oh, I, I get it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> well, explain some of those characteristics that Daria has that uh, fit the profile for you. She has kind of like a like a monotone kind of speaking voice. She like is a little bit like judgmental of her peers or like feels like she doesn't care about the things that like other people around her care about. And that makes her kind of an outsider. And and I feel like maybe I relate to that to a certain extent, n- not to the to the severity that she does in the show. I feel like it is kind of exaggerated in that way. Um, sure. But I feel like uh, kind of like not wanting to like feed into what is popular. And she is kind of like an unconventional protagonist in that like she is kind of like the least animated person on the show. Sure. Um, in a way that I think is kind of interesting. But I think in general, like the kind of like downer, like cynical nature um, is a thing that I relate to. And I think that I know like maybe 
you kind of relate to to a certain extent also. Yeah, maybe not. I think I don't know. <laughs> Daria is just less animated about it than I am. Yeah. Um, no pun intended uh, because she is entirely animated. But, um, <laughs> <Ew>. but um, <laughs> yeah, I, I am. Um, but I think too that like also kind of lends itself to like that Daria and Jane dichotomy of like Daria and Jane are in a lot of ways very similar, but Jane is a little bit more animated, a little bit more willing to like humor people, a little bit more willing to like go with, uh, you know, what is popular, a little bit more willing to like, uh, like put herself out there in a way that I don't think Daria is. And I think in a lot of ways we are like similar in the way, in the same ways that like Daria and Jane are similar um, and different in the ways that they are different. But yeah, I don't know. What's your, what's your vibe on this, on this dichotomy that we got going on here? I think this is a pretty cut and dry one. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, I have really failed the pod by not rewatching a few more episodes before uh, doing this episode today. That's my bad. Mm-hmm. But um, I trust your judgment. I think it's pretty sound. It's not, you, you made convincing arguments. Like I'm not here to. I'm not here to dispute. Yeah. Also, just like strictly, you know, pure looks. Like I think uh, that's true too. Yeah, yeah you've got the Daria vibe. Like I, I definitely have more of the Daria thing going, and you have more of the Jane thing going. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in that sense, I am Daria, and you are Jane. Cool. I like um, it. <laughs> and that is that is my opinion and I am and I am sticking to it <laughs> you want to do a rock on what do you reckon on this week something I'm very excited about um, a book by your friend and mine the one the only Caleb Ray Kendrelli <sighs> who we mentioned earlier in the episode. Um, Caleb wrote, Caleb's written a couple of books, but they put out their second book on May 5th of this year, and it's called All the Gay Saints. It is about queer joy. So um, I know that we have a a good amount of queer listeners. I see you and the stats. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here. And I, I was... I felt fortunate enough where I was able to get an advanced copy from them and I did not put it down when I picked it up. Um, It really touched my heart in a lot of deep and important ways. And I think it is an absolute must read this year. Um, Yeah. Buy it from an independent bookstore and uh, thank me later. All the gay saints. (laughs) By Caleb Ray Kendrelli. Yeah, I can definitely back that. Uh, this week, I would like to give a shout out to knitting because Whoa. I, uh, <laughs> so I've had this like prod, like knitting project that I have held onto and carried with me for many, 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 many years. Um, when I first, I first learned how to knit, uh, one summer in like middle school. Okay. Um, and I started this like scarf thing 
and I have been holding on to it ever since. And I feel like I have added like a couple rows to it every few years as I find it again. Um, and I just found it again this week and I have been like sitting and working on it. And like, it has been a really great thing to do with my hands. That is not just like scroll through Twitter and get sad. Heard that. And, uh, and yeah, so I would like to rock on knitting. Um, and I feel like it is really great when you feel like you've put effort into something and then at the end of it, you have a thing. You know what I mean? It sure is. I, yeah, I am still three weeks later, uh, strong in the jigsaw puzzles. So I, uh, I feel you. <laughs> yeah. It, yeah. It's like a similar thing where it's like, oh, I put that effort into something and now like, look at this thing that I made. Cool. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of More Talk, Less Rock. We mix, master, write, record, edit, produce, release, promote, uh, and every other verb associated with this show. So we really appreciate that the verb that you do associated with the show is listen to it. It takes uh, it takes all kinds, you know. <laughs> we got to make it and people got to listen to it. Although, no, I don't know that people really need to listen to it. We could just make it and nobody could listen to it. And I feel like we would have just as good a time. I think that's fair. I think that's the moral of the episode. Yeah, yeah. It ties back into what we were talking about at the beginning, you know? You know, bring back hobbies. Bring back doing things for the sake of doing them because they're fun and not for anything other than that. But we are also very thankful that there are people who listen to it. I'm Lauren. And I'm Rachel. And, and we're, we're just happy to be here. here. I just realized that I never brought my computer charger cable over here. So I'm going to do that. I'm just going to stop recording for a minute and we'll just clap okay. again. All right. That is, um, I respect the audacity of recording without your, your computer plugged in. <laughs> this would not be the first time, unfortunately. Yeah. One minute, 37 seconds later. What I should have said was, someone has to have the audacity and if not who, then me. <laughs> Who better to have the audacity? <laughs>